0: Here. This is not about politics. This is about morality. Health emergencies can't wait for us to have some theoretical debate about some better idea that will never, ever come to pass. We are behind every country pretty, pretty nearly much. in Europe in this matter of medical care for our citizens.
1: I'm a physician. That means you have a right to come to my house and conscript me. It means you believe in
0: slavery. Welcome, everybody. My name is Benjamin Day. I'm Stephanie Nakajima. And this is Medicare for All, the podcast for everybody who needs health care and dental care.
1: <laughs> Especially dental care. So, you know, today we're going to focus in on the fight to add dental benefits to the reconciliation package that's moving through the house right now. And as of course as we fight to expand in public health care, we knew that, you know, corporations and special interests would meet us in Congress to fight specifically this bill, you know, as it is a redistribution of power and wealth. And so far we've picked up at least one new enemy fairly high-profile enemy, the American Dental Association. Is that right, Ben?
0: That's it, the ADA, yes. (laughs) The
1: American Dental Association, the largest association of dental professionals in the country, and in fact, actually in the world, who are fighting uh, against the proposal to add dental benefits to Medicare. Today, we're going to talk about the politics of that opposition and also hear a little bit from seniors themselves who wrote in to us what it means to go without dental care uh, in the U.S.
0: Yeah, it's a tough acronym because it's also ADA is the American with Disabilities Act good thing. Yes. ADA, we're now learning bad thing, uh, or <laughs> bad people, perhaps. So, you know, we, I guess, to be fully honest, we, we were kind of interested initially in identifying dentists who support Medicare for all and would be willing to advocate for expanding Medicare to cover dented, dental coverage. So we were like writing this email to our list and we wanted to identify dentists or dental students who would be willing to speak out. Almost as an afterthought, we were like, well, let's also ask if, if we have folks who are on our list who are seniors and have had trouble accessing dental care, but who, if we were to add de- comprehensive dental coverage to Medicare, would have a see a real benefit. And again, we kind of added to this last minute to the email, and we had- and it only- was really-
1: an addendum, right? So, you know, right. the title of the email was like calling all dentists for Medicare for all or something like that. And then the call to action was like, are you a dentist? Are you a dental student? Or are you a patient who needs dental care? Right? So it was really kind of tacked on to the end there.
0: This is what idiots we are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we did get one or two folks who wrote in as dentists who you know support Medicare for all and we're going to work with them and talk with them But we were flooded, absolutely flooded with stories from seniors, folks who are 65 and older or who are getting close to 65, who are just having the worst dental health challenges and just have no hope whatsoever of being able to afford paying for them. Many of them are living with pain, uh, living with significant uh, limitations with what they can do with their mouths, feeling some sense of social isolation without having teeth. Just like the stories were so heartbreaking, but also moving. We got over 150 people wrote in, and we have about 90 of them are giving us permission to share their stories. So we are going to write these stories up into a report that we'll release in the next couple of days, and we're going to submit it to members of Congress, really urging them, showing them how deadly the lack of dental coverage under Medicare is and how, you know, just the impact on people's lives and how much of a difference they can make by adding comprehensive benefits. But we want to talk a little bit about it here and also just talk about, focus a little more on dental care in general for everyone, but particularly for seniors. So I'm going to start Stephanie but I think sharing just a few of these stories that came in. I wish I could share everyone's stories, but that would be a 10 hour podcast probably. <laughs> and I don't think any human can make it through it. It was actually hard for us to make through, make it through all these emails. but I am just so appreciative that people were willing to share these stories with us, willing to share them publicly and we will do everything we can to fight for the for these folks uh, for these uh, folks on our list. So I'm gonna start off with a story from Sandy in Turtle Creek, Pennsylvania. Sandy wrote, I'm a 64 year old woman who is shut in my apartment. Instead of having friends, going places and doing things, I don't leave my home because I have no teeth. After a horrific divorce, I lost my teeth and cannot afford dentures. It has caused a deep depression and loneliness. I'm 64, which I don't feel like should be the end. I should be going to church, having friends, going places, but can't um, due to the embarrassment and shame of not having teeth. I am never going to be able to afford nice dentures. So this has become my life. And I, I could, you can kind of just hear a sense of, of hopelessness about the future around this, uh, which was so hard to read.
1: Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, this woman is not even on Medicare yet, (laughs) or we don't think that she's on Medicare yet, but she's not 65. And unfortunately, turning 65, unlike, you know, with other medical issues, you might have been postponing or whatever. I mean, it's not going to do anything for her. And in fact, you know, as we'll get to later, the proposals in Congress that seem like they're passing right now. Are gonna put all the be- the actual enactment of those benefits at least eleven years <laughs> for like actually any kind of robust uh, coverage of benefits, and so I think that it's just so sad to think that he will be. 75, maybe, by the time that Medicare is covering really any kind of uh, real dental benefit.
0: Yeah, and we'll get to those details. And we, we do have a chance still to impact that, hopefully, and to make what's going through Congress better. And I should say, Sandy was not alone in, in the story she told us. We had a number of folks who said the same thing, that they've really been hesitant to go out in public without teeth, and it's impacted their social lives. I know there was a there's another gentleman who wrote in who said that Actually the masks during COVID have helped a little bit, have helped him get out a little bit, but he still feels kind of ashamed of lacking teeth. And I think what I wrote back to Sandy was like, you know, the only person who should be embarrassed is the is the rest of us society for not providing you the basic adequate dental care care that you that you need.
1: Yeah, what a horrible, just double-edged sword there. I mean, not just to feel the pain of the fact of whatever is going on for her, you know, I'm sure there's an element of pain there, but also to feel the shame as well of not being able to afford the medical care that you need and just how much, you know, living in the U.S., access to medical care, it can still be a marker of social status. <laughs> in the wealthiest country in the world, we're still not providing everybody the basics and when you see that and you and you realize that some people are living with the shame of that. It's so it's really awful to think about.
0: Yeah, and we have a lot of medical issues that we can kind of hide if we're not able to address them and if we're suffering through them. But oftentimes dental care is not one of those things that you can hide have to kind of wear it on your sleeve. So the next story I wanted to share, and I, I've just kind of picked a few stories that exemplify different ways that lack of dental care can impact us. This is Mary in Divine, Texas. And Mary wrote, "'My husband and I both have dental problems. "'I had my bottom teeth pulled out "'in hope of getting affordable dentures. I went to see about them, and the price is always three to $6,000. It is outrageous. I don't have insurance. My husband has Medicare, but it doesn't cover dental. We both can't eat nuts, dried fruit, or even salads. We would like to eat healthy. We are unable to have protein foods. I have even choked. I mostly eat very soft foods and make smoothies. It is quite painful. It saddens me because of the lack of concern, and our quality of life is affected. And I've I've done some minimal editing or cutting out of some extra things that may have wrote in there just for length. But that was kind of the gist of her story for her and her husband in Texas. Yeah,
1: I mean, being restricted, having your diet restricted because there are certain things that you cannot chew must. I mean, that's just so inhumane.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things that struck me from the many, many stories that we got is just how the dental health issues that are untreated have all of these other spinning off impacts on your health. So many people reported having, you know, sinus infections coming from tooth infections. Obviously, your mouth is connected to your head and your brain, and a lot of times those health, those dental issues spiral into other health issues. But if you can't chew, if you don't have teeth to chew, it's going to impact your your diet and your ability to eat a healthy diet as well. So that was that was another thing that really struck me. And the last story I wanted to tell was Janice in Champaign, Illinois. I also have. There's a lot of twists and turns in Janice's story, and it was a little bit complicated, so I've also chopped out pieces for this just for readability. But Janice wrote to us, I am a 66-year-old woman who worked for the University of Illinois for 25 years. During that time, I had good dental coverage and saw the dentist every year to have my teeth cleaned. In 2000, I started my own business and could only get healthcare coverage by joining the local farm bureau. That policy did not include dental care, and I had to go in debt just to keep insurance coverage until the Affordable Care Act was finally enacted. And then I turned sixty. Sixty-five. I was forced off of the Affordable Care Act policy and into Medicare. I have not had a dental cleaning for 15 years and see no future in which I will be able to get that kind of care for myself. Now that I'm a senior, I expect a safety net to catch me in times of, oh, say a pandemic. <laughs> My business is caring for clients, homes and pets when they travel. No one is traveling. I made $4,000 last year. It's not looking any better for 2021. And I thought Janice's story really highlighted the fact that sometimes turning, whereas for, as you were saying, for medical issues, you might wait to turn 65 when you actually then finally get Medicare and it catches you. But one theme we heard from not just Janice, but many, many other people is sometimes turning 65 can mean losing private health care coverage. And so it's actually terrible for your dental health when you turn 65 and you become eligible for Medicare. And she was also, to me, highlighting the the real challenges for self-employed people and and small business people.
1: And it's just, it's amazing that we have seniors who are so gung-ho about Medicare for all, (laughs) Mm -hmm. given that there are these huge gaps in Medicare. I mean, when you're taking people off of health insurance plan that gives you dental and then putting them on this other plan. I mean, it just highlights how important it is that we actually make Medicare the robust visionary program that we want it to be. Otherwise, people won't be able to get behind the idea of a Medicare for all program. Right. Experience it not meeting their needs.
0: And this is why we say improved Medicare for all, (laughs) obviously, because, you know, there were several other people who also sent me stories of continuing to work far beyond retirement because they were afraid of losing their workplace-based dental, dental insurance given their, their dental health needs. And that's another thing, you just don't even get to enjoy quality of life at the end of your life if you're tied to these workplaces.
1: I mean, between lack of dental coverage and lack of long-term care in our healthcare system, I think it's clear who we're really shitting on in this healthcare system. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: uh, we just totally abandon uh, people at the end of life and we don't care about them. <laughs>
0: That is, I mean, there's like caring in your head and your heart, and then there's caring in your actions, right? And clearly America does not value seniors enough through their actions here.
1: And just one more thing, I mean, for me about these, the woman who talked about not being able to eat, Mary from Texas, mm-hmm. that was not the only person who came out and said, I have, have had to seriously restrict what I eat because I can't chew. That was actually a common theme these stories that we received and so i i don't know i just want to give our listeners a sense of like not just the breadth but the scale i guess of how bad this issue is it's I, i think that this is really that dental issues more than i had imagined was seriously impacting people's quality of life and their mental health and everything else so
0: yeah and, and the, the last thing i wanted to touch on i i didn't pull up a story for this but many many people also mentioned this because we're about to start talking about the fight to add dental to medicare that's, that's happening in congress right now the last thing i wanted to touch on was medicare advantage so medicare advantage plans these are the privately run you know for run by for-profit insurance companies medicare plans that you can choose instead of traditional public medicare and part of the reason that people choose them is because they usually or often offer dental coverage. If you have traditional Medicare and you want dental, you're going to have to buy what's called a Medigap plan that covers dental and does some, you know, covers some of the cost-sharing deductibles that traditional Medicare has. So this is some of the often the reason that people choose Medicare Advantage plans. is like oh great i get to get dental and some of these other things that traditional Medicare doesn't cover but many many of the people told us that their Medicare Advantage plan basically only pays out a maximum of thousand dollars a year so they would have one significant dental issue blow through their one thousand dollar coverage through Medicare Advantage and then they would find that they often still had tens of thousands of dollars left in medical needs, and they were still not covered. So some, and I think we touched on this actually in an earlier episode, Medicare Advantage is, is marketing itself as covering dental, but actually covers so little that often the, the beneficiaries are effectively left uncovered when they come up against uh, with a real health uh, dental need. So with having said that, Stephanie, you know-
1: I'm not had, sure if we're actually on track to do anything better here. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so since there has been, we know, we've been talking about this fight in Congress to add comprehensive dental care to Medicare. What is kind of the latest update with what's been happening with that fight? We've been asking all of our activists to lobby the House and the Senate, to expand Medicare and to cover a bunch of things, not just dental care and to lower the age of Medicare and all these things. But what's the latest update specifically on the dental side of of this fight?
1: Right. So as you know, we've been fighting the Medicare for All movement has been fighting to expand Medicare, including finally adding comprehensive vision, hearing and dental benefits. And because of our pressure, this demand has been taken up in Congress. This was not you know, a foregone conclusion that we were going to be sitting here talking about expanding Medicare as much as people don't think it's too incremental a step or whatever. I mean, Biden's proposal initially for this bill did not include Medicare expansion. So this is on the table because we put it on the table. And now Medicare expansion you know, is passing through the commu- committees and unfortunately is proposing really shockingly kind of poor be- benefits for, for dental coverage. So the first thing is that, well, just by comparison today, Part B uh, doesn't cover routine. Medicare Part B does not cover routine cleanings, regular dental care, teeth replacement, no, nothing like that. Basically no preventative care and the only emergency care it provides is as it relates to other medical treatments. So if you just need like a crown or you just need you know dentures or whatever, you're not going to get that. So the first thing that this bill or proposal does is it would reimburse dentists and other licensed oral health professionals for preventative and screening services such as oral exams, dental cleanings, dental x-rays, and fluoride treatments. So You know, we are moving from a position where there's nothing at all covered for routine care to where we would have routine care at least covered. And then it would the other, I think, big thing that it would do is it would cover a full or partial set of dentures once every five years or more frequently in cases where a dental dentist or other health professional determines that the dentures do not fit the individual. So
0: that's actually a big deal for especially some of the folks who wrote into us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is a big deal. And so I think that that we can definitely count as a win. The part that I think is just really so sad that I'm not even sure why they included it, is that all of these benefits, first of all, would start in 2028, So, you know, anybody who's experiencing all of these people who wrote in talking about how their dental health is, their, you know, lack of dental care is affecting them right now are going to have to wait for seven years for any of these benefits to be available. So I think that that's something we could definitely improve on. And then the other aspect of it is that, you know, when you're talking about major dental treatment, which is really where I think significant money and also like the significant degradation to your health and your quality of living is really happening, right? So crowns and uh, root canals or, or whatever else, that kind of stuff would only be covered 10% 10% during that first year. So in 2028, when you finally get your dental benefits, and you know, if you're, if you're my dad, you're 67 today in 2028, Ben, can you do that math?
0: No, nope, I can't, <laughs> but he's, he's going to be older. He's like, in his seventies. <laughs>
1: like 75, right? You're going to be 75 when Medicare finally covers any of this stuff for you. And not only that, but if you have major dental work, then it's only going to cover, Medicare is only going to cover 10% of that major dental work. And considering that Dental treatments run into the several thousand sometimes depending on how much work you need. I don't know how practical or effective it's going to be for people to have this coverage at all, right? And then eventually it would cover... 50% 50% of major dental treatment. So in 2028 it covers 10% and then every year after that until 2032 it covers another 10%. So 2029 it's going to cover 20%, 2030 it's going to cover 30%.
0: And to be clear, so this this shot this fairly inadequate plan that does have some important wins in it for Medicare. This is what came out of the two committees in the House not the Senate, but only the House that so far have released the text of their proposals for not just Medicare expansion, but everything, the whole Build Back Better bill, so to speak. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the politics of dentistry and what the American Dental Association has been getting up to. But the reason that these are so bad are these we have this super long delay, 2028 and very little coverage of procedures is because of the lobbying of dentists against this provision that <laughs> And you know, I, I was kind of doing the math in my head and covering only ten percent, even of a major procedure, like a five thousand, six thousand dollar procedure. That is still probably going to be worse than like the Medicare Advantage $1,000 payout per year, maybe. I think once you get up to 50%, suddenly, maybe then you're doing a little bit better than Medicare Advantage is doing, but still completely inadequate. And, you know, the folks who wrote in to us who couldn't afford the procedures they really needed, if you still have to pay 90, 80, 70, 60, 50%, might still not be able to afford those same procedures um, if they're on a fixed income, which many are living just off of the social Social security checks, which are often not enough.
1: We haven't even talked about lobbying by Medicare Advantage plans who obviously don't want the bar to be raised in Medicare because, well, first of all, they're not going to be able to offer something above and beyond what Medicare offers, which is going to force them to actually offer even better benefits, um, which they obviously don't want to do.
0: So maybe we should just get straight to the politics, right? So we've delivered a bit of grim news here, which is that at least on the House side, there are some big wins. I think especially that denture coverage is a is a big win. Preventive care is good, but it's not the thing that really is going to bankrupt most people. The thing that really bankrupts most people is the ma- major procedures and surgeries. And of course, that is where all the money in the industry is at. Why don't we get to the politics of why this is so tough to win?
1: Yeah, so... As we were just saying, you know, the American Dental Association, we'll call it the ADA, has been mobilizing dentists all over America to lobby hard for dental coverage, not to be included in Medicare, particularly for coverage of procedures and surgery. So this is the official position of the American Dental Association and they're confident enough that their uh, membership Agrees enough that seniors should not have dental care and Medicare, that they are feel confident enough to call upon them to start lobbying their representatives for to sort sort of stop this dental benefit from actually going through and. One of the things that I just want to mention here before we start talking about why that might be is that when we were doing the patients over profits tracker, and I was just kind of like, so we have this tracker where you can look up where your representative and legislators are getting their donations from. And I did notice a lot of dentists donating. So they are a bit of a constituency, I would say. But yeah, so Ben, let's talk about why it is that the ADA is doing this.
0: Yeah, I. um, the very short answer is money, right? As folks may know, when it comes to hospitals and physicians, for example, generally speaking, Medicare does not reimburse as much, it doesn't pay as much as private health insurance. This isn't universally the case. And I think in in most cases, Medicare pays enough to cover the expenses, but they don't pay as much as private insurance. And also the way that prices get set is different. Hospitals and physicians have to negotiate rates with each individual insurance private insurance company. So if you're a big hospital chain in an area, maybe you're the only hospital chain in an area, that means you have a lot of power to negotiate high rates with, with private insurance companies. But you can't do that with Medicare because Medicare has nationally established rates for the whole country. They say, this is how much it actually costs providers to provide this care. We're gonna set a fair rate for the entire country. Obviously the rates, they have adjustments for the cost of living in different places maybe rent is higher for providers in some places than compared to others maybe the cost of staffing and salary is a little bit higher in some places than in others but they don't negotiate on prices they say this these are the rates for the whole country these are fair you can either opt into the system or you can and have medicare recipients or you can opt out of the system in which case you don't get any medicare employees at all so Dentists, at least the dentists in the American Dental Association, are afraid of having this happen with dental care. They don't want uh, federally established rates across the whole country for what is the fair prices of dental care. They want to be able to charge as much as they can for dental care. So it's really all about the money. And this is why they're not strongly fighting coverage of preventive care, because they don't make much money off of cleanings and stuff. That's really just routine stuff to keep a patient in your system. They really make all the money on the big procedures and, and, sur- and surgeries. And this may come as a shock to you, but the American Dental Association has actually been fighting since 1965, since the original enactment of 1965, to keep dental services out of public payment programs. And they have been surprisingly succeeding very well, much more so than, than hospitals and, and physicians have. So they, you know, they claim that they are not completely opposed to adding dental coverage to Medicare. They only want Medicare to cover poor seniors, that is, those who are up to 300% of the poverty line. But many of those seniors are already covered by Medicaid. If you are in a state that has expanded Medicaid, that it wouldn't actually make that much of a difference necessarily to have Medicare covered people up to 300% of poverty. If you are Medicaid eligible, you can, you can be what's called dual eligible. If you're a low income and you are a senior, then you can be on Medicare and Medicaid. And Medicaid often does cover, not in all cases, but often does cover dental care. But even then, many dentists do not accept Medicaid uh, low-income recipients.
1: That was something we heard a lot, actually, in the... Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, we, we heard stories from folks who were dual eligible, who had Medicare and Medicaid, but literally could not find a dentist near them who was able to give them treatment, at least anywhere in the near future. And they had you know an urgent issue. So it was almost like they had no dental coverage. And we hear this for physician care as well, that many physicians don't accept Medicaid beneficiaries. And right now, today, only about 43% of dentists accept Medicaid or CHIP, which is the Children's Health Insurance Program program. I suspect it's even fewer for Medicaid. I think many are just in it to cover children.
1: We do not have a lot of idealists going into dental care.
0: Yeah, clearly not. And I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that as well. I mean, Stephanie, ADA aside, when we look at physicians, for example, we, we know that the American Medical Association is pretty much opposed to Medicare for all. But we have Physicians for National Health Program, a huge network of physicians who do support Medicare for all, we know through polling that actually a majority of physicians now do support Medicare for all. Is it the same thing happening with dentists? Is there like a secret underground massive support among dentists for Medicare for all or universal dental care and the ADA is just not reflecting them or is the ADA actually reflecting the values of physicians? I know you're not a dentist, so, but as far as you know, like what, what do we have in terms of the evidence around this?
1: I am so hoping that there is one out there and we just have not been able to find it yet. But it does not seem like there are, even among dental students, right, who you would assume are a little bit more starry-eyed and wanting to do something to help, you're just not seeing that kind of movement like you are with young residents and young med students in the dental field. Uh And I think, you know, dentists are able to charge heavily through private insurance. And that sort of ensures that they only see desirable patients that are guaranteed to pay copays in full on time. I wonder if there's sort of a similar dynamic with therapists, right? Because a lot of therapists can choose not to take insurance and can just bill out of pocket. And then they get to have patients that they want to see and patients that they know will pay a lot of money. Dentists, Actually, do lean conservative. Sixty-three uh, percent of dentists' donations go to Republicans, and thirty-seven percent to Democrats. And Democrats are cheap, obviously, because you know they're not getting those re- donations the same They're country.
0: passing this law, right? Well,
1: <laughs> capitulate. Thirty-seven
0: percent of donations. They should ask for more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there, <laughs> and there are actually four dentists in the House of Representatives. I didn't know this. And guess what? They're all Republicans. And I think they're also spending quite a lot. In 2018, the American Dental Association outspent the American Hospital Association lobbying. So when we've been talking all about like how important, you know, these huge lobbies are, hospitals and physician groups and all this stuff. We've been totally overlooking the dentists who actually spend more than the hospitals. Just
0: wild. That is totally shocking to me because... I mean, think about, I don't know off the tip of my tongue how much of our healthcare spending is hospital spending, but it's got to be super high. It's got to be over 60% or something like that, at least over 50%. Hospitals are really kind of the primary place where all of our healthcare dollars get dumped.
1: Right? Isn't that what happens?
0: <laughs> and, you know, I see this stat that only around 4% of our national healthcare services are dental care. So it really feels like dentists are disproportionately pulling their weight in Congress, and throwing around a lot of money in the political sphere, basically to prevent having any sort of public regulation or public rate setting that would impact the profits.
1: I sort of already hated dentists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it is a, a profession easy to hate, I guess. I'm sh-
1: <laughs> One does not fully trust. One's dentist when you go and they're like, "Oh, you need this like five thousand dollar crown and you have seven yeah. cavities." And another thing is that I actually have noticed this dynamic. Whenever I go to the doctor and they ask you, "What do you do?" and then I say I'm a Medicare for All activist, and they're like, "Oh, that's so great, but well, at least they pretend." I don't know. But with dentists, oh my god, I'm like afraid to let them near my mouth after I say that. Like the look on their face, you know. I've never had a dentist who I told was like I'm a Medicare for All supporter, and they were like anything hostile after that. So.
0: Yeah. So it seems, and I think we just know from having a good view of the National Medicare for All movement, we don't have much leadership from dentists. I did see there was one really inspiring op-ed that came out recently in the Richmond Times Dispatch. It was by Dr. Ibrahim Samira, who is both a representative in the Virginia House of Delegates, but also a dentist and runs a community dental clinic in in the DC metro area. Wrote an op-ed entitled Medicare Dental Coverage Will benefit millions of Americans. Tells the story of one of his patients who is on Medicare and is also being treated for cancer, is going through chemotherapy right now and had cracked front teeth. And she didn't know that Medicare would not cover dental coverage. And the cost would have been $5,000 to repair her front teeth. It would have involved, you know, root canals, which she couldn't afford. And yeah. that basically meant she was just going to have to lose the teeth and was, would have to be toothless in the front and suffer all the challenges that so many of our our folks supporters emailed us about of having trouble chewing and the sort of the social stigma that can come with that. And there was one line from Dr. Samir's op-ed that really stuck out to me. He said, quote, America does not treat the mouth, the most voluntarily used part of a human, as a part that needs to be kept healthy for life. And I think nothing could be truer or like more of an indictment on on our health priorities but.
1: and also for the whole dental profession i mean right. these dentists are seeing these patients who are writing into these stories they know more than anybody um, need that's out there for accessible dental care and they still are trying to fight it
0: so we i think we are badly in need of like a PNHP, physicians for national health program equivalent of yeah. Uh, for dentists, uh, dentists for a a national health program, dentists for Medicare for All. So anyone, if you know dentists who are progressive support Medicare for All, please put them in touch with us. We would love to start working with them on this. And this is like the moment where we really need other folks, in addition to Dr. Uh, Samira, writing op-eds like this and contacting members of Congress. Stephanie, one thing that I was like starting to wonder about as we were listening to all these stories as well, and I wanted to ask you about was, what does dental care look like in other countries, particularly those that have kind of national single payer systems? I mean, we know when we were looking at long-term care in depth, it seemed like most countries do better than us on long-term care, but there's a a much bigger variation amongst them that some of them do kind of a shitty job of long-term care coverage, but better than us. And some of them do an exceptionally good job of covering long-term care. What's the track record of countries with good universal healthcare systems on dental care. So I did live in England, and I would say that this is an example of a country with a good healthcare system and a very bad dental care system.
1: Yeah, so I think that uh, exactly the observation made about the long-term care and the spectrum and it being largely better than what we're given here in the US, but inconsistent. That's exactly what dental care looks like as well. And for whatever reason why worldwide we have considered the mouth to be like separate from the body, there must be some like interesting history around that, but it does seem to to persist through Europe and I think also Asia as well. So yeah, I think that there's a couple of different ways that Europeans cover dental care. A lot of them do cover for the children. So, for example, in Denmark, children under eighteen get totally free dental care and then it's like subsidized after that uh-huh. and you know for so for example a dental checkup for an adult is about $50 out of pocket and uh-huh. cavity is about 85 to $140 out of pocket which is you know I'm about to pay 185 uh-huh. per cavity I have dental insurance
0: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> you know, in the US so and it's actually considered expensive. Dental care in Denmark is considered expensive by Scandinavian standards. And so Danes go across the bridge to Sweden for dental care. So if that gives you an idea of what it's really like in other countries, yes, it's true that dental, and you'll also hear this as a talking point against universal health care or single payer saying like, oh, you know, there's plenty of places where tangential benefits are sort of outsourced to the private sector or whatever. And that's, of course, true. You know, dental care is not that great in Europe or peer countries, but it is still better. Right. It's, It's like maybe partially subsidized. Maybe there's like ranges within which dentists can charge certain prices, that kind of thing. And yeah, but there's no country anywhere, even in single payer systems that are comprehensively really covering dental
0: so it really feels like this is kind of a global movement that needs to happen, <laughs> and uh, we're kind of part of it. Unlike you know, unlike Medicare for all, we are not the only country with just abysmally inadequate dental coverage, especially for seniors. In your discussion of you know crossing the border to get slightly cheaper dental care, it reminded me of uh, another story we got. I'll read just the beginning of it from another one of our supporters. This is from Patty in Willow Creek, California. She wrote, "My husband and I are 78 years old." We have an income of about 60000 In the last decade, we have spent over $50,000 on dental work. But even, they have saved thousands by traveling to Costa Rica, Chapala, and Tijuana, Mexico. And they also tell the story of traveling, finding a dentist on the other side of the country that was cheaper than the one near them. But she says, you know, we are becoming exhausted and impoverished trying to maintain dental health, which is recognized as the gateway to all health. Our dental bills add more than a third more to what Medicare and supplements now cost. It means we never have anything extra to do anything but get by. But without teeth, well, you know. So they're basically spending every last supplemental dollar they have. And even then to get by, they have to like basically do dental tourism, right? Flying to to cheaper countries to get dental care that's more affordable.
1: Yeah, and even still... With going somewhere less expensive, they're spending thousands and thousands
0: of right. dollars. still tens of thousands of dollars, eating up all the tens
1: things. of thousands of dollars, which I guarantee you Danes are not spending right, yeah, <laughs> in Denmark or Sweden. Right. So, yeah. so what can we do, Ben? What can we do about this?
0: All right. Well, there, all is not lost. I know that this was. Um, I think even you know what's in the house would be a bit of a win. You know, obviously the the covers of de- of dentures and preventive care and some help on expensive procedures is good it's better than what we have now but 10% is so inadequate 10% coverage in 2028 to be honest i think a lot of seniors are just going to be pissed off when they even see it it's just it's such an insult to say well right now you can't afford dental procedures but if we cover 10% suddenly you're going to be able to afford it it's, it's kind of an insult this
1: is- to stop
0: those stories from coming in we're still going to get to no this. this is that's the, the definition of tinkering around the edges Yeah. so the house is is not good but what we have heard is that the senate is likely to have better stronger language around dental coverage being added to medicare how much better i don't know i don't know if it's starting earlier covering more we don't have any of those details we don't have any text to work on And it's entirely possible that with the intense lobbying that the American Dental Association is doing, things will fall apart in the Senate as well. But we do know that Bernie Sanders is kind of leading partly the effort on this bill on the Senate side in the Finance Committee or the Budget Committee. And so he's had a bigger role in trying to do these Medicare expansion provisions and make them a little stronger. So the task now is to really shift our focus from the House to the Senate and to start really pushing our senators to make the, this dental provision as strong as possible. So I'm gonna give you a hotline number. This is a hotline that the National Nurses United set up, and this is for all of the Medicare expansion. So this is you know, lowering the age of Medicare to 60. This is for creating an out-of-pocket cap for Medicare recipients and also adding dental vision and hearing. But I would urge you to really focus on that dental piece because we know it's being threatened on the house side. So the number is 202 509 Nine one two eight. It looks like Stephanie's popping it up on the screen. There we go. So 202-509-9128. That will connect you to your senators, and I would really encourage you to, to lobby on that. We are gonna, again, compile all these stories we received and also submit them to all of the senators in incentive, Senate, and we hope that they have an impact there. So it's kind of what the end of all of our podcasts, right? It's coming down to grassroots organizing. And we have to be strong enough and exert enough pressure to counterbalance these massive healthcare industry interests who are going to be lobbying against us. So it's always daunting. It's always an uphill task. But with enough people and enough sort of, sort of people power, we can win this. So I really encourage you to focus on the Senate side. And I'm just going to close by thanking our podcast team, without which we would not be doing this podcast. So our podcast manager is Sarah Tsang. Our researcher and writer for this episode was Lindsay Baish. Our show notes writer was Jerry Katz, and our audio editor was Sandra Felicia. And I think, you know, we were so struck by these dental stories, we are going to do a lot more focus on dental care in the future at Healthcare Now. So I really appreciate, especially the you know, 150 folks who reached out to us and shared their incredible stories about this. And I wanted to promise to them that we are going to kind of double down and recommit to fighting for dental, access to adequate dental care for seniors, but also for, for the rest of us, too.
1: And we got to also start brainstorming some dentist actions, right?
0: Hell yeah. I think we got to start lobbying our dentists, too. So yeah. don't just go after your member Senate. You should also email and call your dentist they should start feeling the pressure from their patients. If they don't feel like their patients are going to rebel, they will lobby against this bill, just like all the other dentists that are being mobilized by the end of the year. Yep, exactly. All right, well, we will be back in a couple of weeks.